Last year, the Art Institute of Chicago loaned one of the most important pieces in its collection to the Neue Museum in Berlin for a small retrospective of the work of French painter Gustave Caillebot. You've probably seen the painting on coffee mugs, desk calendars, wall calendars, mouse pads, tote bags, umbrellas. Wet cobblestones glint in the muted gray of a rainy day. In the background, the neoclassical wedge of a building forks the street into two. A carriage waits. A horse crosses the square. There are a few pedestrians, everyone going in different directions. Everyone has an umbrella, and they're dressed in the fashion of the late 1800s. A couple in the foreground share an umbrella. They look at something to their right that we can't see. It's quiet, misty, gray. Something about the painting is so obviously Parisian. Maybe it's the way everyone in the street is minding their own business. Maybe it's the quiet formality. Maybe it's the somber clothes. Paris street, rainy day. This painting, a huge canvas, two meters by almost three meters, normally hangs in the Art Institute at the entrance to the French Impressionist wing. It's a painting I've been looking at all my life, and suddenly, for some reason, it was coming to Berlin. The Neue Museum was celebrating the occasion by hosting a special opening, free to the public. That also happened to be on my birthday. My friend Jeff Kay wanted to go too. Jeff was also raised in Chicago, also as half of a first-generation American, also with the persistent sense of never fitting in. And Jeff now also lives in Berlin, finding his way, like me, often feeling ill-equipped to navigate any world except the ones inside our heads, and the world of art. So it was like our old home was coming to visit our new home in that strange way that life sometimes loops and turns around and somehow comes full circle. The chance to step back into a painting that played a significant role in each of our lives. It was like going back to the future, or was it a wrinkle in time? Welcome to the final episode of Artipus, Art You Can Hear. Yep, it's the last one. This podcast started in 2014 as five-minute art reviews for World Radio Paris of exhibits around town. Those five minutes soon turned into 10, and then 15, and grew longer and longer until they became carnet de voyage through the world of art in Paris. Eventually, the show stretched to 30 minutes, and I found myself talking about the art I see through personal stories and global events, using art as a bridge to connect the two. Over the years, I've produced close to 200 episodes since it first went on air as Expo Paris. 
I'm very proud of what I've accomplished with this podcast. Artipus has been broadcast on WRP in Paris for the past five years, on Chaos Radio in Olympia, Washington in the U.S., and has been used as a teaching tool at universities, an aid at institutes for the visually impaired, and has led to talks, lectures, live listening events, workshops, and art installations, and lots of new friends. Art has been an inspiration and a comfort, but it's time to move out of my comfort zone. So it's time for something new. I have no idea what that is just yet, but new things need room to grow, and so I'm making space for it. But first, a visit to the place it all began, on a Paris street, rainy day. Talking about um, Gustav Kaibot's Paris Street Rainy Day, mm-hmm. made in 1877. So you and I went together to see this painting when it opened at the Neues Museum. Yes. Right. Um, I, I was pretty excited about going to see that painting. I was too. Why yeah. were you excited? I'm from Chicago, so the it's a hugely important painting for me. I was as a kid already kind of obsessed with the Art Institute of Chicago. So can I, should I tell a little story? Yeah. Or, okay. I remember uh, when we would go downtown, my f- father worked in the Board of Trade building for Reuters, and sometimes we would go down and visit him, and we would walk, walk around, and we would pass the Art Institute of Chicago, and I would always say, I want to go in there. Can we go in there? And they w- didn't want to go, and I said, well, take a picture of me on the steps in front of the Art Institute because I'm going to go to school there. And they took a picture of me, and then uh, after that they said, well, we want a picture of us too. So so there's a picture of me standing in front of the Art Institute by myself, and then there's a picture I took of my parents and my sister by by themselves. Like the separation, like the point of separation. Yeah. You like that's the moment you decided that you were gonna whatever. I don't really. Know. I mean, if, if your father was working for the Board of Trade, so obviously he was a businessman. Yes. Right. So, yeah. in this kind of traditional Amer- post-war American setting, in the point where you diverged. Yes, much to his chagrin, I think. He wanted, he wanted me to be a runner and stuff when I was 18, and I was like, I want to go to the art. Uh, I always knew that that's where I wanted to go. For me, the Art Institute is like, is like ground zero of Chicago, you know? I mean, even by the, the way they number the streets and addresses, mm-hmm. it's ground zero. I think it's the most important, the most important entity that, that that city has. And, and this painting is right at the top of the steps out of the main entrance. So it's really kind of a, and, and you know, it's a, it's a painting of, of what you think of as an American, also of this, this kind of posh U- European idyllic world of people strolling around in their finest, the best. And, and uh, uh, it's, it was like an aspirational window to, to uh, a world that wasn't the world I was part of somehow. And because, uh, uh, the Art Institute wasn't a place that, that my family was interested in going to ever. I will, uh, it was also kind of like this cathedral t- taboo church for me that I just want, really wanted to be 
part of it, and especially once I found out that it was a school first, even before it was a museum, that I really intensely uh, wanted, wanted to go there. And, and these, this painting in particular because is, is just totally a portal some, somehow. It is, isn't it? It's yeah. like, it's a, I mean, a lot of it is the perspective, right? I mean, it's the perspective and the colors that make it such a portal because the perspective is really precise. It feels like you could walk in. Because the background is light and the figures in the foreground are dark, yeah. I think it's also what helps make it feel like a portal, you know, as opposed to as opposed to a point of darkness in the background. Isn't he kind of known for that too, this kind of uh, way, perspective going way, way, way far back? And also just the yeah. dawn of like photography or something too. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, that has a lot to do with the framing, doesn't it? Because it's like a, it's like a snapshot. Yeah. Um, and nobody's posed in the painting, like nobody's, nobody's aware that, that the viewer's eye is looking at them. Right. They're going about daily life. I mean, not a single person in this painting is looking directly at the viewer. Right, it's too, yeah. yeah. It's like it's, a, which also makes you feel like, like it's a portal because you're looking in on something. They're not aware that you can see them. It's like a film still or something. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing painting, isn't it? <laughs> I wonder sometimes, you know, when you think of this guy's backstory also a little bit, just the, it's, it was part of that kind of idyllic world that I wasn't part of either. This like, <clears throat> got dumped with a bunch of money and was first and foremost like a fan of, of artwork. And, right. But his own kind of modern, uh, amazing work, but really acting as, as a patron for others and supporting, supporting right. the work they, they do. I mean, to... To me, it was like the kind of dream existence. Well, it seems somehow. like it. I mean, doesn't it? It's like you're in Paris, you've inherited a bunch of money, yeah. you've been trained as an architect. So, I mean, which is why the lines are so precise and the perspective is so accurate. Um, but you have a love of fine arts and culture and new and exciting things like the Impressionists and right. you can support them and also make, I mean, yeah. And, and in all of it in Paris, like at, during the, you know, basically the Belle Epoque, it's uh, seems like a pretty <laughs> seems like a pretty good life. And what I think one of the things that's also always come out for me in this painting is, um, and with some of Kaibot's other work as well, is there's there's real love. There's real love for this moment, for the people, for the city, for I mean, it's it's a tangible love that he has for humanity and all the things that humans do and build. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's also what makes the painting such an attractive portal. You know, it's not that his love that I think is expressed on this canvas is three dimensional, if not four dimensional, although now I sound ridiculous. But so you said that this was a big painting for you also growing up and maybe what even led, led you to Paris? Um, yeah, actually, I hadn't realized that until I was on my way to meet up with you to go see this painting at the opening here in Berlin, because I was so excited about it and was thinking about it all day. Like, you know, I get to go do this thing tonight and it was my birthday. So what was it like? I mean, what, what was it like for you to 
like it's impossible to remove this painting from the years and years of of experiencing it through the art art institute. So this painting for me, when I was a little girl, my mom my mom wanted to be an artist. She and she wanted to go to the art institute, but whatever conspired to not allow her to do that is what happened. Did but she did she paint or draw? Or? She painted, yeah. yeah. She drew and she painted. She did that skeleton over there, actually, which I really love. Uh, which skeleton? I see so the Can you see the skeleton on the floor? <laughs> ah, yeah. But it's great Fantastic. because she's got this, like, because she has the skull at a particular angle. It's, like, not at, an, at a regular angle. Uh-huh. So it's a really great painting that she did in school. Um, yeah, she always wanted to be a painter. She drew and she painted, but... For, you know, as I said, whatever happened in her life that prevented her from truly pursuing that happened. Would she take you there when you Yeah, were there? so she would take us there all the time when we were quite small. And, and, and I really loved it. I mean, how can you, even as a kid, you know, there's like gi- all those steps yeah. going up and those giant lions. I mean, it's, it's all those buildings in Chicago built from the World's Fair are so great. You know, they're really yeah. like you're going someplace really important. Yeah, so we would go to the Art Institute. I can't say that I remember the very first time I saw the painting, but I'm sure it's when I must have been no more than five. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a five-year-old kid who really loved stories and fiction and had a pretty active imagination this painting was like a storybook that you because it's a huge painting you know and a five-year-old kid kid. is gonna feel like you can actually step into that so it was very magical because it is like a a portal it is and i mean mean, even even when you're standing there as an adult as soon as somebody walks up to it they just kind of and you're behind them they just kind of mesh right into the yeah the composition exactly so the painting felt like you could enter it and you could enter a story somehow and and over time i mean maybe maybe it's through familiarity but you know over time i just fell more and more in love with it and and it became something i had to see every time i went to the art institute and but also to stand there and you know the it's it's so visceral, this painting, you know, like you can feel that misty rain and you can smell it on the cobblestones. You know, I mean, you, you, you understand the physical sensations that those people in the painting are experiencing. And that was also great. I mean, again, such a portal. So, so when I moved away, when I would go back to Chicago, I tried to always make uh, an effort to go to the Art Institute and specifically to see the painting basically to go visit the painting Mm -hmm. and one of the not one of the last times I was there but several years ago I was with my dad my mom had passed away and I was visiting my dad I was living in Paris at the time and was visiting my dad and I I think we just like were bored (laughs) he didn't know what to do um with me so I said well I'm going to go to the art institute do you want to come and he said sure and we stood in front of this painting and he said, what, what is it that you like about this painting? Not why do you like it? Because answering the question why is like, well, because it's nice, because it's Paris, because it's a portal, because it's this, because it's that. <laughs> but what specifically do you like? And my dad doesn't come from an art background. And so I needed to really articulate what it, and I wanted to, you know, because he's my dad and I wanted to make that connection with him. 
so yeah, I had to really articulate what it was that I love so much about this painting. And by describing that and hopefully drawing him into the painting as well, because he didn't have the same reaction to it. In fact, he really hated Paris mm-hmm. in reality. And he wasn't so happy with realistic depictions of Paris either. So I, I, I so don't care that it's Paris, to, to be honest. I think it just... He, so for him, the first time he went to Paris was in like 1963 or 62. He was working in London and he had a weekend off. And so he took the boat over the channel and went to Paris. And as a young... And he was a very good looking man. And as a young... He brought his guitar with him. And he was going to have this like, you know, sensational weekend in Paris with his guitar and, you know, French girls and whatever it was he was thinking. And it was pouring rain the whole time. He had to store his guitar at the Gare du Nord so it wouldn't get destroyed in the rain. Mm -hmm. And he basically kind of like slugged around a little bit in the wet. And also because Paris doesn't, you know, it's, it's when it gets wet, it's wet. Um, It was miserable and cold and rainy and he left after a day. So this painting only served to remind him of what his experience in Paris was like. And what did you tell him that you liked? I told him that I liked the fact that, you know, you can smell you can smell the rain and you can feel it. And it's definitely about rain. Yeah, and you can you can you know, you know the temperature of the air in that painting and you know what it feels like. You can hear it. You know, you can hear the, the... It's not a busy painting. There's not... There's, like, no shouting. There's nobody shouting in the painting. It looks like it's probably a Sunday morning or maybe early Sunday afternoon, right? So it's a quiet, rainy street in a city on cobblestones. You you can hear it. So that's what I told him. And But that was also, like, the first time that I ever really took the time to describe art and found that that was a really pleasurable thing to do. So that's been my my relationship. But So when you say that, do you mean it was like a taking off point for you in in general for things even like your the, your podcast? It was I mean I called that moment with my dad the very first episode of Artipus, but it was a couple of years before I actually started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um it was just, it was an experience that kind of planted a seed in my head, I think. And not understanding until I was going to see, to meet up with you to go to the opening of this painting in Berlin, that this painting itself planted the seed in my head to go to Paris. Like, I had never actually, people often ask me, why did you move to Paris? Or why did, when I lived there, why did you move here? And I would give them all kinds of answers. And it, it was only like two weeks ago when I realized, oh my God, I moved to Paris because of this painting. Or maybe because of that conversation even. No, I I think it was because I was already in Paris at the time when I had that conversation with my dad. So then I saw, you know, and my my dad died last year and he was here in Berlin uh, about three weeks before he died, which was a pretty big deal for me. And then on, and, and so when you approach the first anniversary of a loved one's death, it's, it's hard that first year especially, you know, and you start to get sad and you can recognize some of the signs of grief. And I was screwing around on Instagram and I saw the Art Institute announced that this painting was coming to Berlin on my birthday. Wow. And I was, and I was like, oh, it's like my dad is coming because my dad was here for my birthday last year. 
And I was like, oh, it's like a visit from my dad. This is so beautiful. So it was, it was really important for me to see the painting that night specifically. So. Wow. Thanks for letting me accompany you to that. Well, and likewise, I mean, I know it was a deep experience for you. You got there before me. I got there pretty early, I, even yeah. before. Yeah, you got, like, thing. way before me. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It just, it, for, for me, it was kind of full circle also. I don't, I, I don't, I wish I could say smart things about why, but, I, yeah, I would, I, I'm so ill-prepared for your, for this podcast. No, not at all. When you first got, well, why did you get there so early, for one thing? Why were you so early? Like, you were a half an hour early. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, did you, like, get I German was, or something? Or? I left from where I was going, and there wasn't enough time to go home and then uh-huh. come. So I was just like, oh, I'll just go there and... I can mill about uh, on Museum Insel. I think part of it also was it was the same kind of like drizzly day outside, and I wanted to before seeing that the the fe- the before seeing the painting, I wanted to have that kind of real experience, a visceral experience of just walking around in in a kind of drizzly day where 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 there's there's still quite a bit of daylight and stuff. I, and also, like, right around that area, it's all cobblestone as exactly. well. So, yeah. And although the buildings aren't house many, and they're certainly, like, large and from that era. And the same and the colors, colors. Yeah. Same color uh, stone or brick or whatever. That's uh, cool. That didn't cross my mind. That didn't occur to me at all to do that. Uh, That's nice. So what did that feel like, walking around and kind of, like walking around in the landscape of that painting, but, but not with the people of the painting there, and knowing that then you're going to go in and see this painting. Yeah, it was kind of sur- it was surreal, and in a lot of ways, the uh, walking around outside before walking in was more like the painting I remembered, more like the pre-restoration painting. Where, and the restoration is fine, less great that they did that, but, I, but it, just, it does seem... Uh, s- I don't know, like brighter, sunnier, the sky is bluer or something. Mm-hmm. And something about the pre-restoration version th- that was more muted and, and kind of yellowy felt, felt almost more like a, a Berlin rainy day, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or just, they're, they're, I don't know, like, I, personally I feel like it's lost a little something in the, uh, it's like bright and new and, and I don't know, it's hard. I don't know how I feel yet. I'll have to go check it out again and, and think about it. Like I think the, think the ones in the, some of the ones, I don't know. Like when I see a, a, a print of it, if that's pre-restoration, that, that's the one that clicks things in my, in my head and brings me back also to the, to the art institute, like it all seems so seamless somehow. Also, the the architecture of Museum Inza right now in Berlin, this painting and uh, that front front house of the art art institute all somehow fits into the same world, regardless of what what time you know, regardless mm-hmm. of the two hundred years or whatever it is. Right. I don't know. 
So do you remember the first time you saw the painting? I remember that I wanted to live at the Art Institute. We, we, we had gone a few times uh, when we were small also, like thorn, thorn rooms and stuff. Oh, yeah. In the, the basement. thorn rooms. Yeah, yeah, right? Stuff like that. And there were, so there were uh, going to school there and then working at a, a different museum for a few years after school and then going back to school there again. Would spent many many kind of lunch hours also at the art institute, uh, making the rounds right. Mm-hmm. Maybe start with this, then all, all the kind of iconic trope paintings of the art institute. Mm-hmm. You know, American Gothic, the the O'Keeffe clouds, and the Cornell boxes was I was absolutely in love with, mm-hmm. which also has the kind of quietness that yeah, this painting yeah. does. And uh, of night hawks and and so on and so on and so forth. You know, night hawks share some qualities with this painting, doesn't also, it? Right? Yeah, where you feel like you can enter, and also you know it, like you you know you've been in there right. at some point, so you know what it feels like to be in that diner, yeah, under those lights, or even just through the painting. Maybe you know yeah. know. You've been in there or something. Yeah, it's so, funny, isn't it? It's yeah. a strange thing. So when you you mentioned to me when we were looking at this um, in Berlin that you felt that the the painting had changed or lost something somehow in the restoration, but we were talking about where the painting lives in the Art Institute and what it's like to um, <clears throat> to to go, to enter to walk through those doors on Michigan Avenue. And then make a beeline for this Gustav Kaibot's Paris Street rainy day. Yes. <laughs> yeah, is that going to be your entire interview answer? <laughs> like, yeah. well, Can you share that experience with me? When, you mean when you first walk into the Art Institute? Or? When you walk into the Art Institute to go see this painting. Like if that's the first painting you're going to go see. Mm-hmm. What is that experience like? Um... I don't know. I think it's the it's a it's a good it's the the rain like washes your brain, and there are thoughts out to prep you for the rest of the museum in a lot of ways. You know, you have this mm-hmm. quiet kind of moment that you can clearly enter enter in on a human scale and traverse to being in the right right mindset for the for the rest of the things in the museum. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think we were talking about how if you go to see this painting, it's um, like every, it's, you're kind of peeling off from the crowd a little bit because everyone else is usually going to whatever the featured exhibit is. And, but this painting lives at the top of the stairs normally, and it's, it's quite quiet there. And in my recollection, there's a skylight but I don't know if there actually is a skylight, or maybe it's the skylight over that center part of the stairs. Well, it's on it's on like a, on its own and on a center wall, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's not it's not actually on an out on a wall for that's part of. It's not in defining the. It's the room. not in the it's gallery. Just, but it's yeah. the it's the entry it's the entry to the impressionist gallery, isn't it? Right, and yeah. I think it's a good it's a it's a good uh, given given. Gustav's history also it's a good like it deserves to be the kind of introduction to French Impressionism in mm-hmm. a way like like a patron's 
a patron fan's masterpiece of, mm -hmm. of French Impressionism that also kind of marks a, a different whatever happens next after because because of the reference to photography or or mm -hmm. I don't I don't know like it, there's I mean one of the things I think the reason these things are this painting or some of the other ones that are kind of part of whatever I consider like my family or friends is you see, you see them. I've seen them hundreds and hundreds of times, you know. And and you go to a museum to take kind of mental breaks and get a, get away get away from everything. And they just kind of become part of part of your family. So to see them unexpectedly as a surprise in a in a completely different context and space that that in this new place you are it is kind of like you are seeing the kind of an old an old friend from back home somehow that you can sit with and visit and ref and reflect on however much time has passed since you saw it last and and all the times you've you've looked at it with various people standing in front of it also that 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 keep it alive somehow since they they always become part part of of looking particularly at at this painting, I mean, even now the, the trends, uh, the social media trends of photographing people in front of the paint, in front of mm -hmm. paintings and stuff is like, this painting especially is kind of custom made for that, for that kind of thing. So I think it's interesting that you think of paintings as like you have a family of paintings well, or a group yeah. of paintings as friends. I've never, I've never thought of them that way. I, I mean, they're definitely a huge uh, informative part of of my my life. You know, I was a pretty pretty lonely kid, and going to museums were, was for me the be the and and slightly introverted as well. So, it was a space where you could, where everyone was quiet and and in showed a kind of reverence to things. I mean, it was it's kind of my church to 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 go around there. Yeah, and, and escape yeah. And, and into into spaces. Maybe that that's why I like the Cornell boxes so much too, because mm -hmm. they are these kind of intimate kind of po poetic ex experiences. I mean, yeah, I think you can sit best with your own thoughts when you're when you're just by yourself looking at at something in a museum. Uh, yeah, I think I so too. It's I mean, talking about kind of like a a church in the sense of. You know, again, this painting where it normally lives in the Art Institute, you know, you, you ascend these stairs. Yeah. It's... You know, I mean, there's a, I mean you, you go through the main doors of the museum. You already have to walk up a bunch of steps, go through the main doors, and then you leave kind of the hustle and bustle of the, of the intake counter behind. And to get to that painting directly, you do go through that little, you know, you go up the steps and then across a little landing. Mm -hmm. well, I guess that's where the skylight is. So there's like a little beam of light. Through some glass doors? Yeah, through oh. some glass doors. And then you ascend another flight of stairs to stand, to you know, to find yourself in front of this, which is inviting you in totally. to and it's the Impressionist Gallery and, and, and inviting you into a world. and. I think you're right. It does a wonderful job, especially where it's positioned in the museum to, um, yeah, to kind of like readjust your thinking or your perception or, or open you up and, and get you, prepare you 
to enter this world. I think that's why I was so excited to see it here also. It's like, how would they, how would they handle that too? I think they did a good job because you, you see it way far away at, at, the, at the far end of, of a room that you see through, first through another room had kind of this same, same effect, but totally bizarre and surreal. I felt that, I felt it had a, an opposite effect in a way because I did like the fact that it was at the end of this, this series of rooms because it was like, I mean, I think you're kind of looking through like two doors, yeah. right? At the top of the stairs in the, in the museum here. And it's quite far away, so it kind of becomes a part of its own perspective. But what was what confused me, I think, what I was having a, like sort of where I was having a cognitive split is that it, although there's a small anteroom behind the wall where this painting is hanging here in Berlin, that shows some of Kaibot's sketches, right. it's not a portal into the into a whole wing of a museum. It's it's that's it. You know, it's kind of like. It's making me think of um, like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, you, it, which I read as a kid, and of course, because I wanted the fiction to be true, you know, it was cool. So, I went through a period of checking out people's closets, you know, like is so there, I, is this, there, this was uh, uh, I'm, I'm, we're kind of the same age. Yeah. we are the same age and it was definitely a huge one for me as well yeah. maybe it's why we're, we're coming to the word portal to, to begin with I don't know yeah that's true but, but, I, but so I think it's like you know in the, in the art institute because it is the painting that greets you you know by itself as an invitation into the rest of the in, not only into the impressionist gallery but also into the rest of the museum I mean yeah. it all goes on beyond that from yes there. Like and the mo- uh, slightly more modern things off to the right and stuff too. Yeah. like it branches off exactly yeah. you know whereas in the in the Schattliches Museum it's like it's like you walk into a closet and it's just a closet yeah it's a good point you know it's a bummer in a way I mean it's it's I loved it and I loved seeing it and after you left um, you walked up with me again to get a little closer to the painting because there was that big line of people there. Yeah. And after you left, I stayed in front of the painting for a while, and I got a little teary, but I also had a glass of wine. So <laughs> I, I can see why, though. I mean, and, I, and I did have that feeling, but I also thought, you know, I felt it, I had a, a funny group of sensations about it, actually. There was a, a small crowd of people standing in front of it, kind of making a U and standing at a respectful distance. And I felt really, I felt almost proprietary in that, you know, well, this painting comes from my city. So, you know, I feel totally, I'm familiar with it. It's my painting. I can walk up close to it. Whereas everyone else was standing back with reverence. And it was like, well, we're on, we have a close relationship, me and this painting. So I can get close. Yeah. Yeah. I also took that opportunity thinking about my history with this painting to, I, I didn't do it in the museum at the moment because it would have been weird, but I kind of wanted to, I was like kind of measuring my own height against the painting over the years. Like when I was five, I would have had this perspective. And when I was 10, it would have been this. And, you know, now it's this. And how does, you know, my relationship with that painting actually kind of like crawls up the street of yeah, the painting. Exactly. I think it's like when you stand in front of it, all those things exist, exist simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. Well, isn't that funny? Because it is sort of like a, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's like a portal to another dimension. 
but in that sort of string theory way, you know, that like all the all different dimensions are existing simultaneously side by side. Exactly. Yeah. It it, it does feel very much like that. This is the third time this kind of thing has come up today in my conversations. So I'm either I already had this in mind or it's just what's in the air. I no, don't know. Totally. I, I, I agree. I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to say when you think of like the hundreds of times you've seen it. Like the second you're standing in front of something that you're so familiar with, it, it evokes. Like you wonder sometimes making a trip to a museum that I've been to a hundred million times if if it's only for that purpose to like add another kind of add another layer to the times that I've been there before in order to understand like the whole big picture of it somehow or... yeah maybe I mean but I think also with this specific painting because because the lines are so sharp and the colors are very realistic it it also feels like these people in this place is also another dimension that's existing at the same time mm-hmm. it's a lot i wonder like i wonder what gustav kaibot would think now if he if he knew that this painting had such a profound effect on people and not on everyone just on some people <laughs> you know i mean how would you feel as an artist if like you could visit your work 100 years after you die and and realize that people are responding to it in this like very emotional and personal way. Uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> but hopefully Gustav Kaibab would be happy about it. Seems like he would. He seemed like a very humanist type of person. Thanks, Gustav. Yeah, very human. Yeah, thanks, Gustav. <laughs> <laughs> As of February 1st, you will be able to listen to every single episode of Artipus ever produced online at www.artipus.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. Thank you to all the incredibly talented musicians who so generously lent their music to this podcast over the years. To Hot Legs, who composed the theme music. Very special thanks to World Radio Paris and station manager David Blanc for his endless patience and unwavering support. And a heartfelt thanks to everyone who has ever tuned in, supported the show in word or in deed, invited me to art events, and shared your art with me. This is Susie Colick, and you've been listening to Artipus, art you can hear.